0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Dollar Collapse, your ringside seat for the global economic crisis. To get the full story, go to dollarcollapse.com. Welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Carrie Lutz. Today's April 3rd, 2017. So we have a new sponsor. They are amazing. Casper is a sleep brand. They've created a perfect mattress. They sell directly to you, the consumer, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house as a sleek design and is delivered in a small, how did they do that size box. In addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft breathable sheets. I mean, the quality is just unparalleled. They are incredible. So they're obsessively engineered mattress. It's at a shockingly fair price. It combines supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Look, you can try them for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Designed, developed, assembled in the good old U.S. of A. You just go over to wwwcaspercaspercom slash DC. And then when you see the promo code, just type in DC and that's it. You'll save $50, which is quite a good deal. It's that simple. Go to wwwcaspercaspercom DC. It's really great. So comfortable, you're going to sleep like you've never slept before. All right, so check it out now. Anyways, uh, well, economy. Can the market keep going up, even though the real economy keeps going down or sideways? Well, John Rubino is with us for our Monday chat. Good afternoon, John. Hey, Carrie. Yeah, it is. It's afternoon for you already. You're almost
1: done for the day, aren't you? I'm just, just starting <laughs> out here on the West Coast.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty soon I'll be done for the day, but yeah. uh, I've never really done because everything I read, it's all about uh, what I'm doing here. And just like you, right? You never really stop working.
1: Well, uh, yeah, you know that is the thing with with an online life. You you got to feed the monster continuously. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's the problem. I'm trying to come up with the next um, the next. Topic for my newsletter. And I blew a big call and I really made a major call that, that Preet Bharara was going to indict Comrade de Blasio. And man, the fix was in because he was getting fired by the Donald. Trump fired him uh, because they said, let's clean out all the U.S. attorneys And the day before he got uh, terminated, he all of a sudden came to the conclusion that de Blasio didn't do anything wrong, and neither did Governor Cuomo. And... The same thing with the Manhattan district attorney said, nope, we can't figure out. The laws are messed up here. The campaign finance laws. If de Blasio did something wrong, I can't figure it out. So I'm trying to figure out an article about that, but I haven't come to a conclusion yet. because They totally blindsided me. I thought for sure the comrade was going down, but evidently the comrade's going to live to uh, ex another day.
1: Hmm. yeah you, you know the complexity of um of the political currents right now are amazing because you got people switching sides kind of on a daily basis <laughs> so, so it out um, it, it's fun for political junkies and very confusing for everybody else you know as as a um, you know more financially oriented than politically oriented observer for me it's just exhausting to watch this stuff i Same wish they'd here. settle down choose their sides and then you know battle over ideas instead of all these these you know backroom deals and things like that
0: yeah yeah, well, I thought Bahara was a straight shooter, but, you know, he turns out just to be another political flunky. And I should have realized that because uh, I want to get Dinesh D'Souza back on the show. Dinesh D'Souza was prosecuted by Preet Bahara and for no reason. I mean, he did a very technical violation of the campaign laws, and Bahara was trying to throw him in jail for like three years. Instead, uh, Dinesh got, I think, like, 30 or 90 days house arrest and paid a fine. It was an absurdity. And I forgot that Pajara was the one behind it, but he's still an employee of the US government and he still works for the attorney general and therefore the president. So push comes to shove, he's going to do what those people say. But here he just... uh, gave those guys a free pass and left. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But anyway, nothing should surprise us at this point when we look at the economy, right?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's kind of doing the same thing political or the, the political world is where it's one one day it's one thing, one day it's the next thing, you know. And, and for most of the re- last six months, it seemed like we had a, a real recovery going. Is, both in the U.S. and in Europe and to an extent in Japan where growth was rising and uh, interest rates were starting to go up and inflation was kind of spiking, you know, all the, the usual late cycle kinds of things where we start pushing against our limits and then the Fed raises interest rates and then, you know, and then the cycle turns. That That's how it normally goes. And this time in the past year, it started to seem like it was delayed, but not um derailed and that we were heading back into a fairly strong growing recovery. But just lately, that, that has begun to change. A lot of those numbers have been reversed out. Um, the, the last batch of numbers caused the Atlanta Fed to to lower its GDP now projection for first quarter GDP to below 1%. This morning, it ticked up to just above 1%. But that's a, a growth rate that is way too slow to give us escape velocity. And I'm, I'm defining escape velocity here as a, an economy that's growing GDP faster than the amount of debt that it's taking on. And right now, and that hasn't been the case for a really long time for the US. And it looked like it was going to become the case, but uh, but now probably not. You know, 1% growth just won't do it. Um, You have to borrow more money than you gain through GDP when you're only growing at 1%. And so you're digging yourself even deeper into a hole. For instance, in uh, in 2016, the U.S. government alone, you know, that doesn't count mortgages and credit card debt and all the other stuff that we, we borrow for. Uh, the U.S. government took on over a trillion dollars of new debt but GDP only went up by about $500 billion, which means that our debt-to-GDP ratio, which really is the only stat that you need to know about the the long-term health of the U.S. economy now, our our debt-to-GDP ratio continued to rise. And it rose by quite a bit, you know? It rose by um, $500 billion just at the government level, you know, not including all the other debt. So unless we radically increase the growth rate of the U.S. economy, and of Europe, and Japan, and and China, um, the developed world is just going to continue to take on more and more debt relative to its ability to create wealth, and guarantee an even bigger crisis out there somewhere. So the uh, the hope that a, a lot of people seem to feel in late 2016 and early this year is starting to evaporate again and uh, you know it looks like we're going to see a lot of different sectors of the economy start to roll over going forward you know which isn't going to help things for instance um gordon t long just published something on the auto industry that you know it's pretty scary from the point of view of that sector um he, he has a lot of interesting charts on how um the number of leases relative to the number of cars that are sold is going up and up and up and the, you know yeah. leases are are Deals where you pay a lot of money for three years or two years to have a car, and then you give it back, and then it becomes a used car on the market. Um, And there's a tsunami of leased cars coming Mm -hmm. off their leases and hitting the used car market, and it's depressing used car prices, which in turn hurts the new car market because um, if if you got a really nice two or three year old car there at a very cheap price, why would you buy a new car? You know, most people are kind of undecided when they go out to get a new car, whether they're going to buy a good used car or a brand new car. And if the price discrepancy becomes huge, which it's becoming now, uh, then you're going to choose the used car and new car sales are going to plunge, which means people get laid off in um, in auto producing states. and, And that is a drag on the economy, other things being equal. So that's coming. And student loan defaults are rising. They're at record levels now and they're rising from here. So that's another aspect of the economy that is likely to be slow going forward. So if we don't have anything to offset these slowing sectors, then we'll have a slow growing economy going forward. We'll continue to take on more and more debt and we'll increase the fragility of the financial system even beyond where it is now. And it's incredibly fragile now. You know, We're way more over leveraged today than we were in 2006, 2007. And debt was the... Uh, the main cause of that near-death experience for the global financial system then. So the thing that comes next could be much worse than 2008, 2009. And the, the underlying numbers are pointing in that direction.
0: Yeah. Hey, and just back to the car thing, it's uh, you always want to buy, if possible, a car that's two years old with uh, 10,000 miles or less. Actually, you could go to 15 now. The car's uh, quality is so good. 15,000 miles or less. If it's a luxury vehicle, 15 or less. If it's a non-luxury vehicle, 20 to 25,000 or less. Because uh, the way the cars are built now, very few lemons. You have this thing called Carfax, which uh, will tell you if the car, it's 95% or better, you'll know if that car has been hit. And if you get a good mechanic to look at it, uh, they will let you know the rest of the percent because now body work is so good. Uh, you can't tell most of the time whether or not that car has, uh, has been in an accident unless it's a really uh, serious one. So always better to buy used than new unless that new car is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, or you get a really phenomenal deal because the car isn't selling well. And then they give you a deal that you can't, they finance it for you or give you some incentive that you just can't buy the car uh, cheaper than uh, what they're giving it to you for. They, they just do such concessions. And that's what's happening now. In fact, when you talk about what Gordon was saying, um, you know, that's what's happening right now in the auto world is the deals are just uh, unbelievable. Uh, because they're just uh, the incentives that are at a record high. And um, hey, we'll just have to see what's going to happen here, John, but uh, it certainly doesn't bode well for the economy. And if we start to see other sectors really start slowing down like real estate, then we're going to be in a full-fledged recession, for sure. Yeah,
1: well, well, pockets of of the U.S. real estate market are are way overblown right now, too. You know, we've got some bubbles Mm. in different sectors. It's not it's not a nationwide thing like it was um, back in 2005, 2006, 2007, but we, we do have pockets of uh, you know bubbly activity, San Francisco, of course, and and mm-hmm. a, some of it is starting to roll over. For instance, down in, um, in down south from you, in Miami, yeah. oh yeah, the condo market is insanely oversupplied right now. There's like a year and a half of supply mm-hmm. on condos when when normally you want uh, three to six months for a healthy market, and that normally precedes a huge bust in South Florida real estate. So, we might be heading for that too just based on um, supply and demand right now. With interest rates going up a bit, you know, mortgage rates are a little higher than they were 6 months ago. And that initially caused a burst in activity in real estate because people were starting to buy to get in before mortgage rates went up. And but that peter's out though when mortgage rates re- reach a certain place, you you have no more refi activity and sales plunge. So we aren't quite there yet, but we're heading in that direction with mortgage rates too. So combine oversupply in a lot of markets with higher expenses because your mortgage is going up and the real estate market in the U.S. will roll over too. you know, we're, we're late cycle in a lot of different markets, Yes, although not necessarily the overall market. But these pockets of activity that used to be really strong and that are moderating and maybe even turning negative now, uh, they will hold back the overall economy. And meanwhile, we're borrowing like crazy. You know, we're, we're making the classic mistakes of failed societies of the past and the fact that it hasn't caused us to fail yet shouldn't be a source of comfort because as we continue we're we're making it worse and worse you know so it's better to get it over with get get the the systemic problems over with and then go on with something that's sustainable but to the extent that we're not, you know, we're, we're like a person who's already insanely overweight, but who's gaining a pound a week. You know, they feel fine or more or less OK today. But you you don't have to be a doctor to be able to say, well, something bad is going to happen here. I uh, don't know whether it's a stroke, heart attack or just falling down the stairs or whatever, but something bad is coming. And that's what you can say with certainty about the global financial system that we have taken on so much debt that's got to blow up on us. And to the extent that we take on more and more debt day after day and week after week and year after year, we're just making the eventual crisis worse. So yeah, um, the the disappointment of a a recovery that never gained escape velocity is, um, I think it's being felt out there by a lot of analysts who are now starting to turn negative just because they, they see growth above one percent being almost unattainable going forward and that's not fast enough so um you know watch a lot of the uh, the big wall street investment banks now they're putting out negative reports on the economy and on the stock market which is incredibly unusual for them because they're they're genetically predisposed to be optimistic and when you hear Wall Street starting to get pessimistic, you know, that's pretty close to the end of the cycle because they're the uh, almost the last bulls. The, the final bull normally is retail investors, <laughs> you know, the people who have stayed on the sidelines the for five years the and, and they can't stand it anymore. And they jump in right at the end.
0: Yeah, the dumb money always piles in at the end. That's yeah. that's kind of like a given, right?
1: Well, Kerry, and that that's why, speaking of dumb money, why, why things are going to get... Um, even crazier going forward because the minute we have a bear market, in other words, the minute stocks drop 10% and then look like they're heading for 20% down, the governments of the world are going to jump in. You know, the world's central banks will start buying stocks and they, they are the ultimate dumb money you know Uh, they already are incredibly dumb in most of what they do you know it's clear that they're clueless about interest rates and stuff like Mm -hmm. that but once they start buying stocks they're going to be exposed as absolute morons because they're going to buy with newly created money indiscriminately. They'll just go in and buy, you know, 10% of the S&P 500 across the board, stuff like that, which is, you know, an extremely stupid way to invest because you're not differentiating between companies that have futures and companies that don't, but it might push up the market overall just because that's an awful lot of money that the central banks have to throw at the stock market. And that in turn will distort the financial system even further because you'll have wildly indiscriminately overvalued stocks. At the same time, debt levels are soaring relative to GP at an even faster rate. Um, and, and you know, if that's not the Austrian economics crack-up boom, then God, I would hate to see it when it does come.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you know, you just uh, look at uh, what's happening and you know that it just can't go on forever. But uh, I always remember, was it Charles Brown called Government the ultimate accommodating loser, right? Whether it's in currency markets, whether it's in real estate markets, taking over failed banks—you name it—they are the accommodating loser, right?
1: And and you know the people doing it, and Keynesian economists in particular think this is a legitimate function for government to intervene in markets and um, you know moderate fluctuations. But what that really is is enabling an addict. You know, you, you, oh yeah, let's moderate the junkies, um, problems today by giving him a new shot of heroin yeah. and a bigger shot because you got to increase the dose over More time. Pure, a, a, a an purer dose. And, <laughs> and so, you, yeah, you're not doing that guy any favors <laughs> if you do that because eventually this shot becomes so big that it's fatal. And that's what they're doing with the economy when they intervene in these markets, you know, markets exist, um, in, in part to teach us what not to do right and you got to have failures in order to show people the limits of their activities whatever they may be and if the government keeps intervening saying oh yeah okay well you got a little out of whack here but we're we're going to make it better then then there's effectively no limit to what kind of crazy stuff you, you can do, what kind of risks you can take, if you're a bank or a hedge fund or whatever, or, or what kind of expansion you can undergo um, if you're a car company. Uh, and, and so you get these huge distortions, which eventually lead to even bigger crises, and if your government is crazy, to even bigger interventions. And that's what we've got coming. You know, They will almost certainly intervene because they don't understand what markets are, and they will make things even worse. So yeah, Carrie, the story's not over yet. You know, we're still living through a really unique time in financial and economic history. And the last chapter has not yet been written. And it's going to be a doozy, I think, when it comes.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, it will be a doozy. I always thought that uh, Y2K was going to be the doozy. But uh, little did I know, 17 years, eight, 20 years later, the real doozy was going to come. I mean, Y2K turned out to be nothing, but this was madness. You know,
1: Kerry, Y2K is is an interesting part of the story because that was one of the the rationales for the Fed to increase liquidity in the market one last time in uh, 1999, Right. So, the, you know, the Fed pumped huge amounts of money into the system, and that, that gave tech stocks the liquidity to double one more time, which which dramatically increased the air pocket under tech stocks when the time came. You know, when the bubble burst, they went down a lot further because they had been – the bubble had been blown up one last time by the Fed worried about Y2K. So, yeah, um, you can point to all of these – crises that we've had since 1999-2000, which really should have been the end of the cycle. You know, according yeah. to all the long wave theories, um, this expansion ended in 2000. Yeah. And we should be deep into Kondrachev Winter right now. <laughs> so it's possible that historians will, will you know, date the beginning of Kondrachev Winter in 2000 and then depict all of this as kind of, um, you know, mid-1930s depression-ish thing that governments tried to hide by putting people on food stamps instead of having them line up at soup kitchens and cutting interest rates to insanely low levels to keep all these zombie banks alive and stuff. But at a cost of, what, a quadrupling of the amount of debt in the system since 2000, um, which will cause an even bigger crisis out there further. So Kondratiev winter is still coming our way, but it's going um, to be a nuclear winter, when it happens, because it's going to be so much deeper than it would have been otherwise if we had had the, the debt wipeout in 2000, like we should have. Mm-hmm. So yeah, historians are going to have a field day with the uh, the stupidity of government agencies and central banks over the past 20 years. And as I said, the chapter last chapter is not written. We still get the asset purchases indiscriminately coming that that will just blow this thing up completely. And I think that's in the not too distant future. You know, that's in the the next stock market correction, which looks like it's going to turn into a a bear market, which we could be in the beginning of now. You know, stocks have been falling lately. They're down again today. Um, Let that gain momentum and then everything will change. So, you know, hang in there, Kerry. We want to go short, then we want to go long, then we want to go short again. (laughs) We just have to time that, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, easier said than done, that's for sure. But, uh, But I agree with you. That's that's what's going to happen. Anyways, uh, hey, check out John's work over at dollarcollapse.com and uh, sign up for the newsletter there, as well as our newsletter on financial survival And uh, while you're at it, send us an email kl at carrylutz.com, kl at carrylutz.com. Twitter feed is at carrylutz, and the Facebook page is financial survival network. John, we will catch up with you next week. Uh, pretty much at the same time.
1: Yeah, good. Thanks, Gary.
0: Thanks for listening to Dollar Collapse. For regular info and updates throughout the day, go to dollarcollapse.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps>